Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is the podcast Woman and Mythology, and I'm your host, Maria. In today's episode, we will look into the symbolic interpretation of the story of the red shoes. If you haven't heard the story yet, I invite you to return to the previous episode and listen to it. This will give you better insight into this analysis. To begin our interpretation, I would like to start with a reading from the book Women Who Run With the Wolves by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. Though fairy tales end after ten pages, our lives do not. We are multi-volume set. In our lives, even though one episode amount to a crash and burn, there is always another episode awaiting us and then another. There are always more opportunities to get it right, to fashion our lives in the ways we deserve to have them. Don't waste your time hitting a failure. Failure is a greater teacher than success. Listen, learn, go on. That is what we are doing with this tale. We are listening to its ancient message. We are learning about deteriorative patterns. So we can go on with the strength of one who can see the traps and cages and baits before we are upon them or caught in them. This story, for those who have heard, has a brutal ending. One that is about a girl becoming crippled, really losing a important part of herself, her feet. We're going to look into what feet means in mythology. And this brutal ending, it is meant to alert us. It is meant to awaken us. It is for the listener to realize, oh, wow. Okay, there is an important message here that I need to be aware of. It is made to capture the emotional self to see that there is a serious message here. Let's rewind a little bit and just remind ourselves that We are here throughout these episodes tracking the wild woman archetype within these stories. And Clarissa speaks about the wild woman archetype as this natural attributes of a woman. She also offers us another image of a woman, which is the feral woman. Sometimes feral and wild would be used um, as a synonym However, here she places differently. The wild woman would be a woman in its natural state. The feral would be a woman trying to return to its wild state. We are born wild, but throughout life, either from our immediate family, our school, patriarchy in general, we start to become domesticated. We start to become groomed and smaller than what we were meant to be. However, when a woman tries to release herself from that, until she returns to her wild state, she might pass through the feral. The feral is a woman who is hurt. It is a woman who has lost some of her instinct. She has injured instinct. It is a woman who is trying to make her way back. Feral women are usually extremely hungry for something soulful. They want to feel that sense of completeness, that sense of wholeness, that strong sense of self. But they have lost it somehow. And they also have lost that ability to see what is soulful, to see what would bring them that wholeness. 
So they will take anything disguised as something soulful to try to cure this hunger, this hambre del alma, this hunger of the soul. And this story shows us that how losing instinct, how allowing our instincts to be injured makes us easily pray for something bigger. And the truth is here, I love that mythology makes that very clear to us, is that a woman's life can be robbed if she does not develop a firm participation with the wild nature. A woman's life can be taken away by society standards, by marriage, an overwhelming obligation of constantly be doing things, by money and material things, by beauty standards, by addictions, you name it. However, we can always find our way back to the wild feminine. And to do that, we need to understand the mistakes a woman can make and track back and repair. For me, this is a story that warns us about our inner and outer freedom and how important it is to cultivate both. How we must be constantly guarding and protecting our inner and outer freedom so we can choose with our souls, so we can choose for our wild self and not with a hungry feral self. After this brief introduction to the story, let's now begin a more specific interpretation of this tale, looking at the symbols that it presents to us. The first big symbol of this tale is the shoes. And we've seen before in the episode and story of Bluebeard how the shoes are a symbol of the outer persona because it is a part of clothing. And remember, as I said in that episode, when we talk here about the clothing, it's not necessarily a mask. Sometimes people would think, oh, the outer persona is a mask, is not a reflection of who we really are. Ideally, as we are integrating, as we know who we are, we portray ourselves truly in the outer world. So actually the clothing here, if used correctly, of course it can deceive. It can be used to deceive, but it can also be used as a way of showing who we are. And the shoes are already an indication of that. Shoes are related to feet, which are related to mobility and freedom, ability to go from one place to another. So it's a part of our outer persona that can take us to different areas of our lives. It keeps us dry and warm. In cold places, to steal a person's shoes is to give them a death sentence. So here the shoes are also seen as something that protects us. It is what we stand on. What do you stand on? What are the truths and the values you stand upon? The girl, as you might see in the story, she is going to go from the handmade pair of red shoes to a different one. She is changing her values, what she stands upon. More about that a little bit later. Now let's introduce the color red in this. Red is a symbol of life and sacrifice. We can think of the color red when we see our menstrual blood. That is life and death. I wrote a poem once in my book, Wild Daughters, that says, Our blood is lifeblood. Every month we are renewed. Every month we are born again. 
We know death. We learn more of it with every cycle. We know loss. We know it from our bodies. We know that the cost of thriving life is blood. Blood is related to this life and death. To live a vibrant life, we must make several sacrifices. It is the color of blood life. A baby, when it's born, is covered in blood, but is also of blood loss when there is too much sacrifice and no life giving. Our life needs to be a beautiful dance in search of the equilibrium between some sacrifices and some elements that give us life. So how does this work in our outer life, in our contemporary life? I'll give you the example of my sister. She's an incredible painter and artist, but she is still in the early phase of her career. And to be able to dedicate herself to painting, to be able to dedicate herself to her art, to her beliefs in a way that she wants, in a way that is life-giving to her, she needs to also do some other jobs as a freelancer to be able to pay her bills. Her art cannot sustain the house, the bills, and everything, at least not yet. So she needs to do some other designer freelance roles. It is a small sacrifice. Sometimes it's a big one when it's a big job or takes too much time. But these are the sacrifices she needs to make to be able to be and host and cultivate that life-giving practice for her, which is the painting. It is a balance. It is an equilibrium. The key here is to not be caught up in the sacrifice. In her example, imagine if she gets caught up and accepts job after job after job, even if she doesn't need it financially anymore, but simply because it's there and she forgets about her art. She forgets about what actually makes her feel soulful, what actually feeds her. This is what happened to the heroine in our tale. One of the questions that I would ask you to reflect on is, what are the life-giving sacrifices you need to make in your life? And what are the ones you need to stop making? So now as we've spoken about the red and the shoes, now let's put them into the perspective of the handmade shoes and the shoes bought by the old lady. So the first one is the shoes made with her soul. Even though she had no mother or father, even though she had no home, even though she had no food, no shelter, no warmth, she was able to create something that made her feel rich and special in a soulful kind of way. She does not need to explain it to anyone. This is a symbol for our handmade life, a life made by hand, handmade. It is the life we value most, the one that brings us joy and closeness to the wild woman archetype. It is the one that makes us feel whole and complete. It is the one that the soul accepts. Sometimes it is very hard to explain to society why we love this life. It is normally not an easy life. It is tends to be a simple one, a simple life. It is a life that brings us connection to the world and to ourselves. It makes us feel rich in our own special way. It gives us a sense of soul 
despite of outer difficulties. Its design, the creation of this life, comes from our passion. In some ways, it integrates the wild feminine in everyday life. It brings joy, and that is food for the spirit. It is evolving and growing, so the handmade life that we had 10 years ago or that we had at some point in our lives, it is not necessarily the handmade life that we need to create and cultivate now. This is very important to remember because sometimes when we are in our early stage, we might remember a glimpse of this handmade life, but then we think that we now need to go back and live exactly like that. It is not true. We need to follow our passion and create a handmade life that makes sense to us now and allow it to be always evolving. It is very vibrant. The handmade life, it is vibrant, but it does require enormous sacrifices. In the story, the girl and the handmade shoes is a symbol of this handmade life. She's creating it. She is creating it by hand, one step at a time. If let alone, she would progress. The handmade shoes that she created comes from the creative self. And the creative self We're going to see in a few episodes, it feeds in many facets of our life. So it would allow her, if following that, to remove her from that situation of living in the streets, of being motherless and fatherless, of being cold. However, she gives that away. And that is when addiction begins. When we lose track of our handmade life and we try retrieving it any way we can. She loses her sense of self. So now, let's see how she loses her sense of self. This story holds a series of steps, and we must memorize these steps. We need to understand this pattern so we can guard the treasure of our instinctive life. The story of the red shoes has many traps, and these traps can be relationship, people, ventures, good-looking baits that will kill us as we bite it. Remember, a marriage can be a trap, or it can be a liberation. A family member can be a trap, or it can be a liberation. Money can be liberation, or it can be a trap. Taking care of your body can be liberation, or it can be a trap. And when we fall into these traps, we start to lose our soul life. In our next episode, we will see the traps that the heroine of the red shoes is succumbing to. And hopefully, we can hold this pattern within us so we are not the victims of it as well. Share with me your thoughts about the red shoes, about the handmade shoes, about your handmade life. You can find me on Instagram at Woman and Mythology or through my website, womanandmythology.com. Until our next episode, I wish you passionate vitality in building your handmade life. <laughs>